And we declare that today we are going from level to level and faith to faith as we grow in the word of God. And we boldly declare by faith, we just shifted. Now, if you just shifted, I need you to take that and boldly declare it by faith. I just shifted. I believe I received before the teaching ever starts. I'm going to another level. Whatever I believe for health, I'm taking it to another level. Whatever I believe for healing, whatever I believe for faith, I'm going to another level. I will see what God said because I have a word that is taking me to the next level. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Listen, I, I received the word. I've shifted. I see several, shifted. Of, several of you are saying I have shifted. And we, I believe we need to agree with that word because part of the guiding word says that there's been a shift. There's been a shift. So you don't want there to be a shift in the spirit and you don't catch the shift. You so want to go. Those of you that are on this morning, go ahead and, 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 and say that in the comment section. I just shifted. I just shifted. I have shifted. I, I have just shifted. shifted. Listen, two weeks ago, Pastor Shun and I, we came and we started talking through this um, teaching about walking in the supernatural power of God. We know that God has made his power, his ability, his might available for all of us. It is available. We started saying things like it's already done. We started saying things like I believe I receive. We started giving God praise in advance of what his word has promised us because we saw it as a done deal. And, 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 and we just we just got excited about that. And we started talking about uh, walking in the supernatural power of God. And one of the things that we wanted to reestablish and say early on is that when we talk about walking in the supernatural power of God, we're talking about obeying his instructions. Amen. That when God gives you an instruction, that instruction is supernatural. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't understand and we don't see instructions as supernatural because we're so used to taking instruction from humans. But when a supernatural being, which God absolutely is, gives us an instruction, that is supernatural power being delivered to each and every one of us. And one of the things that we talked about uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, three of the six things. And we'll go back and revisit three of the, the first three today and, and then maybe get into the other three um, next week so that it can be a little more coherent. But but we talked about this idea that if we were going to walk in the supernatural, one of the first things we had to do is we had to, first of all, believe in the supernatural power of God. Amen. We had to believe that God was a supernatural being and that when we get born again, that we are grafted into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And when we are grafted in, just like you would on a plant, you take a plant and you graft it into another plant. Before you know it, you can't tell where the old plant started and where the new plant began because they are one and the same. And when we have been born again and we have received the dutiless power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we said last, we said two weeks ago that when God has given an instruction, he ain't even given it to us. He's given it to the Holy Spirit in us and that he's a supernatural being talking to another supernatural being. And when we walk out those instructions, we are walking out the supernatural power of God. And then we said the other thing that we had to do is we had to make sure we were spending time seeking God's presence. That it's not just enough to love God, that mm -hmm. we love God and we are honored by God, but it is not enough to just to just seek out 
uh, God to say, hey, I know him. We really need to seek out God to be in his presence, to know his character, to know how he would move, to know what he would have us to do on Monday as opposed to a Wednesday. That every single day we need to be seeking God and being in his presence to know what he wants us to do for that day. It was interesting. We were on our way to church this morning and uh, I, I went a different way. And when we got closer to the church, he said, why did you decide to go this way? Um, and I said to you, I'm not sure. When I got to the light where we would normally go straight, I felt like Holy Spirit said go right. So I just went right. I didn't think about it. I didn't argue about why, if it was going to take longer or what, or, you know, what was happening up there. I just made the decision to do what Holy Spirit says. And that's what happens when you get in Holy Spirit's presence. When you get in his presence, sometimes he'll tell you something. And it's not time to have a debate with Holy Spirit about why. It's not time to say, well, I need to know why we're doing this. I got to figure this out. Holy Spirit says go right instead of going straight today. So I went right. And that's part of what we're talking about, spending that time so that you are hearing God. One of the things we say all the time is that God is always speaking. God is always speaking. It's, it, it works like the radio channel. The radio channel right now on Sirius 46 is playing some music right now. You and I can't hear it because we aren't tuned into that frequency. But when you get tuned into the frequency, you can always hear what God is saying. And being able to tune into that frequency has everything to do with staying in his presence. And then the third thing we talked about is we said that we have to make sure that we allow ourselves uh, to, 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 be, to allow Holy Spirit to manifest uh, in our presence. And I think that actually the way we said that, uh, I, I want to make sure I say it the right way. So let me go back to my notes. We said it this way. We said number. We said that we wanted to make sure that we meditate on God's word, that we're we're in God's presence. That we want, but we want to meditate on God's word. And when we meditate on God's word, it's it's the word to mutter, is to think over and over and over. And so it's like when people laugh at us sometimes, they go, "Boy, y'all really like Romans twelve and two. We like Romans twelve and two because we muttered over it so much. It became the thing that allowed us to transform our minds. It is the reason that we don't just say, well." You know, whatever happens, happens. No, no, no. That's not what the word says. And you meditate on that word and the word begins to have a transformative effect on your mind. And so those were the three things we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago. We can go back to the beginning and talk about some of those in more detail. And then we have an additional three that is part of our notes that we can get into next week. But I know it had been a couple of weeks. I taught something else. You've been on strategies for success. You've been on the air talk. It's been a lot of stuff going on. And I wanted to make sure that we set the foundation to kind of give you a recap of what we started talking about and walking in this supernatural power of God. Because here at Fellowship of Champions, one thing we don't do is despise repetitive, repetitive teaching. teaching. We do not despise repetitive teaching. Amen. Repetitive teaching <clears throat> has absolutely changed our lives. It need to change yours as well. This ability to meditate on the word until you become that word, literally everything good in our life, and we often try to explain this to our children, that everything good in our life it came as a result of us giving the word first place. As long as we gave our feelings first place, we couldn't have the marriage God wanted us to have. Mm -hmm. As long as we gave our circumstances first place, we couldn't have the money God wanted us to have. As long as we gave our feelings first place, we didn't walk, we didn't exercise, we didn't eat well, right? But John, third John tells us that God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers, the word levels up our soul. 
The word levels up our soul so that we can live in the supernatural naturally. Mm -hmm. As we give the word first place, he allows us that, yes, we're married, but the advantage that we have is that it's not just me and you in the marriage. It's the Holy Spirit in the marriage, right? So he's giving us instruction. He's telling us, say this now. Don't say this now, right? Mm -hmm. He's telling us, hey, it's time that you both working real hard. It's time to spend some time together. Go to the movies. He's leading and directing us. And so as a result, we have a supernatural marriage while we have a natural experience. Yeah. And that is what God desires for all of us, that no matter whether we're employees or whether we're um, entrepreneurs or whether we're stay-at-home parents or whether we're retired and pastoring a church, he wants us all to do it from a supernatural perspective. But I love what you said. You said that we can't walk in the supernatural if we don't practice obedience. So we have to level up our obedience. If I want the next level of supernatural that God has for me, right? I have to bring my next level of surrender. I've been reading um, the guiding word. And one of the things that I love about it is the first two paragraphs, really the first three paragraphs is what I love. And so I'd like to read that and then we can kind of go from there. But in the guiding word, it tells us, it tells us, he says, I am your father in covenant, right? We've established that a covenant that in the natural, when people came together in covenant, it was for their strengths to cover weaknesses. He says, I am your father in covenant, so I cover all your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, thank God he covers all my weaknesses. Thank God he covers all he of my covers weaknesses. all of our weaknesses. <laughs> and I declare to you that there has been a shift in the realm of the spirit. And these future days mm -hmm. are the days I have long prepared for you. Mm -hmm. So when I read it, this is how I see it. I'm your dad. I already knew everything that was going to happen. I even knew your weaknesses. <clears throat> I covered you with my power. I covered you with my son. I covered you with my presence. And I've been covering you to get you to the place that I long prepared for you when I wrote the end from the beginning. He then says the supernatural shall increase in every arena of your life. I want you to put in the comments, no area will be left untouched. Amen. No area, no area will, will be, be left, left untouched. untouched. Amen. He says the Amen supernatural shall increase in every arena of your life. Amen. No area will be left untouched. Mm -hmm. There is not one area of my life that I do not want touched by the supernatural presence and power of God. Not one area. He says, so prepare yourself. How do we prepare ourselves? Surrender, obedience, meditating on the word, right? So prepare yourself for I have opened heaven's gates and wide for you, mm -hmm. right? Then he says, and those who believe, do I have any believers mm -hmm. in here? Do, those who believe and those who will receive, I will begin to perform mighty acts on their behalf. It doesn't mean God is just thinking of these mighty acts. It means that your faith, your confidence, your alignment is going to begin to allow you to be a partaker in what has already been prepared for you. Mm -hmm. Then the third paragraph, which I really love, there will be, there is an increase. 
Now, this is interesting because when Pastor Elwin gets this, he writes this before he releases it to us, right? So when I read it now, I say there is an increase of angelic assistance. There is an increase of the miraculous and his glory shall manifest in different ways. So prepare yourself for you will be unable to explain it. My mighty works will be at hand and they will be marvelous. At this point, you ought to just be praising God. God has said, I am your father in covenant. I have not left you uncovered. There has been a shift. There is an increase of angelic assistance. There is an increase of the supernatural in every area of your life. And all I need you to do is surrender yeah. and to walk it out in obedience. And what is so powerful about this, because I, I've been stuck. I mean, I read it all, but I, I get stuck in that first or second paragraph. And yesterday, um, I drove to Conway to pick my mom up. And when I got back, it was just enough time for us to get our walk in. And while we were getting our walk in, I don't even know what we were talking about. But the second part of this guiding word popped into my mind. The sentence that says, the, I guess I was thinking about today's message, but it says the supernatural shall increase in every arena of your life. And the Lord said, remember, the supernatural is my instruction. This, can and and I, was like, I was like, okay, I get that. When it says that the supernatural shall increase in every arena of my life, it's not money is going to increase per se. It's not the new house. It's not the new car. It's not the getting back in school. The supernatural increase is going to be the flow of information that God is going to allow to come to me where in every arena, arena of, of my, my life. life. And that's why he says, prepare yourselves. How do I prepare myself? Number one, by being open to hear what Holy Spirit has to say to me, because Holy Spirit can only speak what God is saying to Holy Spirit. So God's going to speak to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to speak to me. I'm preparing myself to be quick to obey it. And when that happens, that is the supernatural happening in my life. And it's going to happen because there's going to be an increase of revelation and information in every area. God's going to start telling me what to do about my health. God's going to start telling me to do about my marriage. God's going to tell me what to do about my kids. He's going to tell me what to do on my career. He's going to tell me to do what to, to what to do with my friends. I'm going to there's not going to be one area not untouched. One. Not one. Not, not one. one area not one. of my life untouched where God's not going to give me the right instruction. that's going to cause my life to flourish. Because the thing that we need to understand is that there is not one area of our lives that God doesn't care about. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this when you were talking about this supernatural increase and this instruction that God has for us. Whatever other day it was that we both walked, because I've been walking inside because I got a walking pad, thanks to the Marlowe's, but I've been walking inside. But the other day I walked outside and I literally in an hour of walking three miles, the Lord literally restructured my business. Mm -hmm. He gave me such a download that when I got back to the car, I had to grab a piece of paper and sketch it out. I then sketched it out and said to Canaan, now draw this out in Canva to then say to Santresa, now plug it in where we're going. Listen, I've been thinking about what my business should do next 
for a couple of months. I spend the last quarter thinking about what the next year of my business is going to be, right? And while I'm following a supernatural instruction of God, what was the supernatural instruction? The supernatural instruction wasn't to ask about my business. The supernatural instruction was to walk. Mm -hmm. And when I started being consistent in walking, the Lord started breaking down things and accelerating my information. And this is what I was thinking as I was sitting in my car writing it down. That is what God was doing with Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm -hmm. He would come to them and walk with them. And as he walked with them, he would reveal. And then I began to think, since you've been walking, you have restructured things in the ministry. Mm -hmm. There have been downloads. He's literally giving you trainings. He's giving you insight. Now, we think, oh, we're just walking for our health. He's like, no, it's the fellowship with me. And the fellowship with me is going to accelerate you. There doesn't seem to be anything supernatural about walking because people all over this world walk. We walk every day, except the supernatural, the moment God tells you to do it. Because the supernatural is his instruction. The supernatural is his instruction. You know, th these are when we read this guiding word, these are promises literally from our heavenly father. And it becomes our responsibility to understand how to practically tap into this supernatural power. Amen. How do I tap into this instruction? Because mm -hmm. God wants to give us so much instruction. The Bible says that it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I yes. mean, he wants to give us the kingdom. But the way we get access to that kingdom is through his instruction. It's why Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek ye first what? The kingdom the of God. Kingdom. Why yes. do I want to seek the kingdom first? Because that's where the instruction comes from. And if I seek the instruction, he says, then all these things will be what? Added unto, Added unto you. So once you start to seek the kingdom... The things that you think you're needing, they just get, they start being added to you. He just starts downloading them to you, you know. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started with Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter in the ninth verse. And it says this, it says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And when we begin to talk about a heart being perfect toward God, it's not about you not being without fault. It's not about you without being without blemish. It's about is your heart the kind of heart that has a desire to do the will of the father? Yes. And if you have a heart to do the will of the father, the Bible tells us that his eyes are searching for us. And if his eyes are searching for us and we begin to prepare ourselves and we prepare ourselves for him, there's no reason he won't give us the revelation that we desire. And sometimes the, the revelation we don't even know we need. He'll give us revelation that we didn't even know we needed. He'll give us that revelation. We have to create capacity and desire to hear God, not just about the things we want to hear him about, but every area, mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking when you were talking, when you first read that scripture in 2 Corinthians, there's a scripture, I don't know, John 15, 16, somewhere around there, where Jesus said to his disciples, I have much to tell you but you cannot bear you it. You cannot yet bear it. Yeah. You want to create capacity to bear what the Lord has to mm -hmm. say to you, right? Because the thing about supernatural instruction is that when God is giving us instruction to get us to a beautiful location, all of his correction doesn't feel beautiful, mm -hmm. right? If we take specifically our marriage, the things that God needed to say to us, right? about changing our marriage 
They were not things that felt beautiful because in order to change our marriage, to experience days of heaven on earth, he had to change us. We had to be willing to surrender. So when I read this scripture, 2 Corinthians 16 through 9, 2 Chronicles 16 through 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, which is what I was meditating on this morning to show himself strong on the on behalf of those whose heart is perfect for him. To me, it literally looks like the eyes of the Lord are running to the earth to find somebody who's receptive. Yep. Is there somebody who is receptive? Is there somebody who doesn't just want to hear you can be a millionaire, but is there somebody who's willing to be receptive to say you're not really giving the way that I want you to give? Mm -hmm. Is there somebody who's receptive for a healing miracle, but you're willing to hear him say you eat too much sugar, right? It's he's looking for somebody who is so turned toward him that if you're heading in a direction that doesn't please him, as he turns you, you will turn instead of fighting him, right? Yep. And so that, that's really who we want to be. We want to create capacity in ourselves that we are willing to surrender and turn our hearts toward him so that when he's looking for somebody, he's like, oh, yes, it went strictly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In, in fact, you ought to go ahead and type in the comment section and just make this declaration. Say, Lord, I am open to you and your instruction. Lord, I am open to you and your instruction because that's how you create capacity. You create capacity by yielding your own ways, your own thoughts, your own ideas. You yield those to the Lord and you, you declare, Lord, I'm open. I am open to you and I am open to your instruction because when you do that, then you set yourself up to be able to receive the power that comes from his instruction, which gives you the ability to walk in that supernatural power every single day of your life. And so last time we, we started off by talking about that you had to believe in the supernatural power of God. And I think we've kind of covered that. We know that the Bible says in Mark chapter nine, verse 23, that if we can believe, then all things are possible to us. All things are possible to them that believe. And then we talked about the faith of the centurion. And we, talked, so and we talked about how the centurion said, listen, I am a man who was under authority, but I am also a man with authority. And if I tell one to go, he goes. If I tell one to stay, he stays. And what he was saying there is that power comes from instruction. And so he says, oh, to, he says to Jesus, he says, listen, you don't even have to come to my house. The supernatural power is in your instruction. If you instruct sickness to go, it has to go. If you instruct death to go, it has to go. It's not even about your presence. Your word carries so much power. And so we have to believe in the supernatural power of God. I don't think you've ever said that though before. What you just said about um, the thing about the centurion understanding that it's the word. It's, it's the, the word. It's the it's, instruction. It's the instruction that when God gives me in power, that's it, Latanya. That's how we said it. Power comes from instruction. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. I don't think I've ever seen it quite in that way, even though I know following the word is important. But power comes from instruction. Mm -hmm. Now, you can think about that even in a very practical sense. Right. If someone is playing a sport. Right. 
the coaching instruction is going to give them the power to do what they could not do before, mm -hmm. right? We know that um um Faith, Kev and Kev's daughter takes um gymnastics. gymnastics, right? And we know that there are a lot of power moves in gymnastics, right? She's young now and they're giving her these instructions, right? We know Brielle runs track, said coaches her in track and their power moves that causes you to run faster, to jump faster, to flip faster. So God wants to give us instructions that level up our power. Which is why we have to meditate in God's word because his word is his instruction. And when we get That's his good, word, babe. his word comes to us in the form of instruction, whether that instruction is logos or rhema. We get it. And when we get it, it is the deutimus. It That's is the good. power. That's good. It is his word that gives us the power. And sometimes we want to we want to think and we think in terms of supernatural, so almost like magic. And God is like, no, no, no. It's not about magic. You know, it, it, it's why miracles are supernatural. If God says eat a certain way and you do it, that's supernatural, too. If God says apply for this job and you do it, that is supernatural. If God says get up from what you're doing right now and go give your wife a hug. And I get up and I go give my wife a hug in that moment. I know it sounds silly, but that is supernatural. And what, what we do is we dismiss what is really supernatural looking for something that's almost magical. That's real. And good. as a result, we miss out on the daily power that God has available for all of his children. Now, listen, you doing your good preaching today. I don't know if it was that ride that you had all them hours in the car by yourself yesterday, but that's really good. We miss out on the supernatural looking for magic. Yeah. We're looking for magic, missing the supernatural. So when I am ignoring God's instruction or when I am modifying God's instruction, then what I am doing is I am putting a cap on the power that is available to or me. Sometimes outright forfeiting. You just outright forfeiting the power that was that was being given to you. You know, uh, there's power in children obeying their parents. You and how do I know that? Look at children who look at children who have good parents and the parents are giving them good instruction and the children who obey those instructions and the children who don't. The children who obey those instructions always end up in better situations. Why? Because there's power to put them in better situations. The kids who are disobedient end up in worse situations. Why? Because they forfeit the power that was available. They forfeit the worth and the value of that instruction. And when we disobey God, that's what we do. We forfeit the worth and the power of his instruction. Now, this reminds me of when, in, in I believe it's in Deuteronomy, it says that things have been hidden not from us, but they have been hidden for us. Mm -hmm. So then what I'm understanding here at a greater level is that God, God hides his power in the instructions, which then would make sense that if you look in 1 Corinthians when it says he intentionally chose the foolish things to confound the wise. So if you are a prideful person, if you are an uncoachable person, then you're going to think it's stupid to get up and go hug your wife right then, yeah. right? While you sit in frustration wondering why your marriage isn't getting better because he intentionally hid his power in his word. Yeah, yeah. He planted his power in his word. So to the degree that I obey his word is the degree that I'm going to see his power. I saw one of the comments Sheila put up and she said the blessing is in the obedience. Well, we know that word blessing means what? Empowered. Empowered oh, that's, yeah. 
empowered to prosper. So the blessing, the empowerment to prosper is in our what? Obedience. What, what are we obeying? The instruction. What is the instruction? What has God said? What did God say in his word, logos, or is he speaking to me directly? Rhema, right? What, what, what is God saying? And, and then how am I uh, obeying that? Because that is where the empowerment is going to come from. The empowerment doesn't come from the gift. The thing that pr instruction produces the gift, but the power is in the instruction. Listen, I feel like all our partners right now want to join me in saying, I just leveled up my obedience. Yeah. No, I just leveled up my obedience. Any area that was negotiable, any area that I was delaying, any area that I was saying, I'm going to wait to January 1st, baby, I'm all in. Because the thing that I am praying for is actually attached to the word that I'm ignoring. Amen. So if I ignore the word, I'm going to ignore the power that is designed to help me. And the Bible tells us that it is the small foxes that destroy the vines. You teach it's the small things. We, you know what, well, Lord, I, I'm not having an affair. Lord, I'm not I'm not using fentanyl. Lord, I'm not I'm not I don't have an OnlyFans. Yeah, but you won't do the small things. And it's the small things, quote unquote, that destroy the vine. It's the small foxes that destroy the vine. So, yeah, you may be obeying God where your tithing is concerned, but if you're, or you're obeying God where your forgiveness is concerned. Have you forgiven two people that God told you to forgive at the beginning of 2023, but you still holding a grudge against them? Have you done those things? And when you start to level up your obedience, you start to do what you declare earlier, where there is no arena left untouched in your life that you will allow disobedience to be in. So what I hear you saying is that people in marriage trouble may be saying, I'm not having an affair, but you won't get up and give that hug when the Lord tells you to. Because you you're, deny, you're, de you're, you're denying the supernatural ability because you don't see it as important. But every word from God, the Bible says we shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God because all of his instructions are important to us. So we have to break up with this thing in us that ranks the importance of God's word. Yes. There is no rank to God's word. Everything God says matters. Every word. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but, but by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which is why. He says, I, that's how, think about that. He says, you're not going to live by what you eat. You're not going to live by what you eat. That ain't going to sustain you. What's going to sustain your life is you being obedient to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And here's the beautiful thing, guys. You don't have to feel bad because repentance isn't crying. Repentance is changing. Right. So you can literally just go, oh, my goodness, I see that God gave me this instruction and I've been lax about it. And 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 really, this is um and some because instructions don't always come from God directly. Sometimes they come from the people God has placed in your life, like your leaders, like we have these four commitments that are designed to help us grow in the things of God. Well, we see that in scripture. That's not something we're making up. We see that in scripture. In scripture, we I taught about it and Pastor Ralph came and taught about it on Wednesday. We use the story of Jehoshaphat. If you read the story of Jehoshaphat, what you read in that in those scriptures is that it says, if you believe in God, you will be established. But if you believe on his prophet, 
you shall prosper. That was the instruction. The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat called the fast, but the word of God didn't come to Jehoshaphat. The word, the word of God came to Jehaziel. He was the one who said, the Lord said. He said, the Lord, the king called the fast. The word of God came to the man of God. And basically the people had to believe God and they had to believe the man of God. And so the scripture says, well, if you believe God, you will be established in this thing. But if you believe his prophet, then you will prosper. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw them be established that God would take care of them. And then we saw them prospering in that they when they went into the battle the way God said, which was by sending Judah first, that literally they spent three days taking all of the spoils that the enemies had brought to the battle and then end up killing one another before that before they ever got there. So the, it's, it is true that the when you follow God's instruction, there are some battles you don't have to fight. There are some battles you won't even have to fight when you follow God's instructions. And so it's so important that we understand. I was thinking about that um, in inner circle. Crystal gave us this assignment. Crystal was talking about this. She gave us this confession and she told us to read it and write it every day for a year. OK. And the other day I thought, oh, I'll just read it. I won't write it. Right. And I went, oh, my God, that is the lack of discipline that gets us off course. Mm -hmm. It's when we begin to modify, God has raised up somebody to give us an instruction. And what we do is we say, it doesn't take all of that. And so I was saying that one of the things that if we're really going to live in this place where the supernatural is increasing in every area of our life, we must raise our personal discipline. Mm -hmm. We must raise our personal discipline and it must become incredibly important to us that when God gives us an instruction, whether the Holy Spirit gives us to us directly or whether the Holy Spirit gives it to us through the people he has assigned to help us in our lives, that we don't treat it as negotiable, that we treat it as non-negotiable and we raise our level of personal discipline. And the way you raise your level of personal dis discipline is really what we talked about in point number two, two weeks ago, which is the idea of seeking God's presence. When you seek out God's presence, and you stay in God's presence, it's easy for you to differentiate when God is saying something to you. And also when you're a man or woman of God or whoever God has placed in your life to give you some insight is speaking to you. Because then when you're in God's presence, the spirit of offense can't dwell there. Mm. And what happens for a lot of people is people get offended when someone tries to give them instruction. But when you are in the presence of God, offense can't reign there. You can hear Holy Spirit saying this, saying to you, this is something you need to pay attention to. This is something you this is something you need to humble yourself to. The Bible says in Psalms 105, verse four, it says this. It tells us to seek the Lord and his strength. It says in that we are to seek his face forevermore. We ought to seek his face. And then I love what Moses said in Exodus 33, 12 and 14. He says, Lord, if thy presence go not with me, then carry us not up to where you're going. In other words, I don't want to be any place where your presence isn't. When you make it a habit, and I talk about a habit because habits have to be formed. Uh, when Crystal told you guys to, to, to confess and to write, what she was doing was trying to get you into a habit. Uh, when you reject habits, you form a lack of discipline. 
And so the Bible was saying here, listen, Lord, wherever your presence goes, that's where we want to go. If your presence doesn't go there, I don't want to go there. You got to practice the habit of not hanging out where God is not. Mm. Let me say that again. Mm. You have to practice the habit of not hanging out where God is not. If you practice hanging out where God is not, you get other information. And that other information will is designed and we de, and will derail and stop you from living your best life. You have to practice living where God is. And the only way you can do that is by forming of habit. That means every day I got to be seeking God. Every day I got to be seeing where God's face is. Every day I got to be hearing what God is telling me. It is the reason that I don't care about, I started off the walking for 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 the idea of, of, of wanting to lose weight. It's become my solace time now. It's my time where I just get to hear God. I just get to, I get to just let my mind wonder about all the things that God is saying to me. And, 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 and he just gets to flood me with information, you know, and there are times I say, I'm going to walk three miles and I'll be right back. And then I'll walk six or seven. Why? Because as I get to walking, I'm just hearing God about different things. I'm hearing what he wants to do with FOC. Sometimes he'll put particular people on my heart in the ministry to pray for. Sometimes he'll put groups of people on my heart to pray for. Uh, sometimes he will, he, he'll tell me things that our church needs to do for the community. Sometimes he will take this guiding word because I read it every, like literally every single day I read it. Uh, he, he will take a portion of that to me and explain something else to me. Like just like yesterday when he was talking about the supernatural being increased, he was like, don't forget, I'm talking about instruction. And it's just, it's just an amazing thing that when you decide to see God's presence uh, and you can do that, you know, obviously through prayer and meditation, uh, in, in a multitude of different ways, it just increases you to hearing God. And when you hear God more, the super increase, the supernatural increases more in your life. And that goes to point three because I love what you said that we have um that that this that this walking thing that seemed to be just about weight, mm -hmm. it seemed to be just about decreasing um your chance of sickness and not letting your arteries get clogged, right? And it was actually an assignment. It was a commandment that had many multiple benefits. Amen. It was a command. See, most of the commandments of the Lord have many multiple benefits, right? But I love what you said about we've got to practice hanging out where God is. On Friday night, uh, we, you and I, we got up. We were um, Chris doing some last minute Christmas shopping and stuff. You went and walked. I didn't go and walk. And there was a basketball game I wanted to watch. And so I literally came into the living room and marched in place for an hour watching the basketball game. And one of the kids said to me, is it really that serious? And I said, it absolutely is. And I think we have to be OK with understanding that people who have not made the commitment to be all into what God said won't always think that it takes as much as you are giving. Right. But it is that serious. Right. And when, as we meditate on what God is saying. So I'm meditating on how important <clears throat> it is that God has said it's important for me to walk every day. I'm meditating on the fact that it's important for me to write this confession. I'm meditating on the things that God has said to me. And now what is happening is that God is causing me to prosper and to make my way successful because I'm doing things God 
God's way, but I'm not doing things God's way. Like I just got a plan. Oh, I'm going to walk. Oh, I'm going to plan. I'm doing what God told me to do. Yeah. You know, one of the scriptures we have here is Hebrews 4 and 12, which I think is important because it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. Now watch this. Mm. The word of God is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. He says, listen, when you meditate on God's word, his word becomes a discerner of thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus then models this for us when the enemy comes to tempt him. After he has fasted these 40 days, the enemy comes and the enemy tempts him. And he keeps offering Jesus these various things, right? But what does Jesus use to rebuff the devil? Not eloquent words, not some soliloquy that he has thought of. What he does is he uses the word of God to defeat the enemy. Why? Because God's word is powerful. It is quick and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is a discerner of the thought and the intents of the heart. So if you go back, I think it's in like Matthew chapter four, maybe. But if you go back and you read that, uh, you find the account where, where literally the enemy comes to Jesus. And he's like, hey, you know, uh, turn these stones into bread. You know, I'll give you this kingdom. And what does the what does the God do? What does Jesus do every single time? He uses the word to rebuff the enemy. Why is that important? Because Jesus told us this in this world, we would have troubles. We would have issues. We would have problems. He says, but don't worry, I've already overcome them. How did he overcome the issues of the world? Through the word, through instruction. And I mean, it's a, it's a scene that just runs through it. If you study it out, it's just, it, it makes perfect sense. Jesus is our example. How did Jesus defeat the enemy? He defeated the enemy with the word. When problems come my way, what am I supposed to do? I'm not supposed to do something other than what Jesus did. I'm supposed to do the same thing Jesus did, which is to what? Use his word. But how can I use his word if I don't spend time meditating on his word? If I don't spend time in his presence, that's why those two are so important. I want to be in his presence and whatever he says to me, I want to meditate on it. I want to get it in my heart. Why? Because the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So when problems arise, you don't say I don't have enough. You don't say I'm sick. You don't say I don't know how I'm going to do that. The word of God is so full in your heart that when trouble comes, you say what God says. And then when you say what God says, then you start to see what God says, And that is how the life of a believer is built. No, I love that. I want to look at Hebrews 4 and 12, too, because and I, I want to offer a little bit of another side of the perspective that, yes, we use the word to rebut the enemy. But I like something that says in the scripture, it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul of spirit of the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The thing I love about the word is the way it will get in your heart and it will purify whatever is in your heart that doesn't agree with God. Because it could be, for example, that God really does want you to be a millionaire and you really want to be a millionaire, but y'all don't want you to be a millionaire for the same reason. So as we surrender and we meditate on the word, then God will show us the thing in us that wants something 
to impress people, that want something to get out on people, to be better than people. He will literally divide. He will, the word will cut us and say, yes, yes, you're saying yes to me, but I want to talk to you about this one part in your heart. I want to talk to you about this one part in your heart that needs to be pruned, that needs to be cut away, because even though you're saying the same thing out of your mouth with me, your heart doesn't match mine. I love what Courtney just says. She says it's a detox. The word will detox you because it's exciting to hear that God wants you to prosper. It's exciting to hear that God wants you to be married. But the truth of it is, I know for a fact that God told me to marry you. I never even considered getting married. My goal was to be the rich auntie before that was a thing. But even when I said yes to being married, there was still a purification in my heart that needed to come. Like that I didn't always have to be right. Like that I wasn't the only one who knew the way to go. Like that I needed to forgive all of these different things. And it was meditating on the word that purified those things in me and still continue to purify me. And it's, it's true for all of us. It's why the Bible tells us in Joshua 1 and 8. What does it tell us to do? It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt do what? The word you just used. Meditate. Meditate, Meditate what? Therein, day and night. He says, what's the purpose of meditating day and night? So that thou can make thy way what? Prosperous. And then after you've meditated on that word day and night, then what? You shall have good success. I was looking at these notes last night. I was really looking at this um, this supernatural increase, uh, a su the supernatural increase in every arena of your life. And literally as I went to sleep last night, I said, Lord, discern my heart. If there is anything in my heart that wants what you want for any other reason than your kingdom agenda, bring it to the surface. And in my mind, I had a vision like of what you do when you have a sore and you put peroxide on it. I was saying to the Lord, I'm saying yes to you. I'm sold out to you. I am excited about what you want to do it for me in 2024. But if there is anything in my heart, in my soul, in my imagination that wants it for any other reason than to glorify God and to advance the kingdom, let the word become peroxide and let that ugly pus come out and let that infection come out. And I believe all of us ought to be praying that God, we're saying yes to everything you desire to do in our lives, but let the word be like peroxide and bring to the surface anything that is infectious in us that when God would prosper us, that we would then act ugly, be dishonorable, disrespect him, or think we did it in our own way. Which goes to point number four, which is you have to surrender to, to the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. You have to surrender that. If you don't surrender that, if you don't surrender to the Holy Spirit and you don't deal with those underlying character issues, mm. you will end up prospering to a degree for which your fall will be great. Because what happens for most people is they prosper to a point to where their character now becomes the instrument that actually destroys them rather than keeps them. Can you, can you say the, more about it's, that? It's the reason why we pray all the time, Lord, don't let me go any place. My character can't keep me. And if you pray that and you're serious about it, then you'll get serious about dealing with your character issues. What do I mean? Like a lot of us don't know that you still cuss people out when you get upset. 
A lot of us don't know that because we're not with you all the time. A lot of us don't know that when things get tight, you'll still steal the tide. We don't know all of that. We don't know that when that, 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 that you still have a little jealousy streak when you see your brother or sister in Christ being blessed to a degree that you don't think they deserve or it's more than you. We don't really know that. And we don't know that because you don't really necessarily act out on it all the time. And so it's kind of hidden. But you know it's there. And what God wants mm. us to do is surrender to Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit will begin to talk to us about those character issues. He'll talk to us about those secret things that nobody knows about except for us. He, see, some of you have learned to manage your mm. emotions and manage your behavior, but it has not, But that doesn't mean you've learned to change your heart. And when you surrender to Holy Spirit, it will change your heart. Because when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, which I believe is a critical step, in tapping into this supernatural power, the ability to receive God's instruction. When we begin to yield ourselves entirely to the Holy Spirit, what we start to do is we start to allow him to work in us and through us. And that this surrender, the way you described it, like putting peroxide on a sore and getting this pulse out of you, it begins to act as a way for us to trust and to be submitted to God recognizing that God's spirit knows our needs and he has the power to meet them. Our job is to be open enough that we allow him to pour whatever holy peroxide on whatever uh, diseased character trait that we have That's really so good. that it can come out of our lives and does not impact us when God takes us to where we're supposed to be. No, I love what you said because <clears throat> in church, it, the longer we're in church, we can get really good at masking. At masking. And so what happens is um, I, me and Chandra laugh and we say that what happens is, is that when people come <clears throat> and talk to us sometimes, the leadership they talk to us using King James, mm -hmm. right? But but they cuss their family out, right. right? And so what happens is, is that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the ugliness to the surface. And this is where many people struggle with transformation. We don't want to see the ugliness. We don't want to admit that there is a little jealousy there. Mm -hmm. We don't want to admit that we don't have as much self-control over ourselves as we think we do. We want to we want to really do what Romans 12 and 3 warns us not to do is we want to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And then when pressure gets on us, the pressure of seeing someone who started in a worse situation than us get the house when we're yeah. still believing. Yeah. The pressure of somebody starting in the business and their business is bigger. Somebody getting married first. Somebody that we know we think used to live raggedy. Then what happens is, is that that ugliness begins to come to the surface and what many of us do is that we try to push it down instead of bringing it to the Lord and saying Lord I see this thing in my heart and it's ugly which is why we say all the time that surrendering to Holy Spirit is not a passive act it is a demonstrative act you have to willingly surrender to Holy Spirit in almost on a daily basis and every time and here's the thing God won't reveal all of your stuff to you at Thank one time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because <laughs> it have you balled up in a fetal position in a dark room somewhere. But what God will do is he'll say, okay, let me, let me, this, this thing right here that just popped up, let's deal with this. 
And once you deal with that, you'll be living your life and something else will pop up. And Holy Spirit, like, okay, let's deal with that. I'm I'm almost 52 years old. And I've been I've been serving the Lord since I was in some capacity, knowingly since I was 19. And since that time, he has over the, over the years just been peeling back stuff. And sometimes that stuff come back and he has to peel it back again. And, but, but he's been peeling back all of these things. And now I can honestly say I'm not the person I was at 19. And I don't just mean in the terms of not being 19 years old. I mean, spiritually, what I understand about him and what I understand about me and how I respond to things is not the same thing as I was 19. But there are people who are 50 and 60 and 70 years old still responding the same way they did when they were 19 because age doesn't change it. Because surrendering to, surrendering to Holy Spirit is not passive. It is, it is demonstrative. It is, a, it is active. You have to say, God, please come in here and deal with everything in me that's not like you and be serious about it. You have to be serious about it. Here is a great example. We were laughing about this the other morning. We were talking about, um, we were talking about mashed cauliflower. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And you said to me, what'd you say to me? I said, you, we, we were having a conversation. I said, I never thought I liked cauliflower, but as I changed my eating habits and different things and tried it, I tried cauliflower. I tried it uh, fried. I tried it baked. I tried it air fried. I've had it roasted. I said, the only thing is I haven't had it uh, mashed. And you said, oh, I think I might well like mashed cauliflower. I said, yeah, you just have to boil it first. Yes. And when he said, you just have to boil it first. In my mind, I thought about all the times I would have gotten triggered because he said, you just have to boil it first. Because you because what mind, I would have heard yeah. is you think I'm stupid. Right. Right. So now I got to defend that you don't think I'm stupid. Right. And but what immediately did is I started laughing and I just said, that's the teacher in you. You can't help giving that instruction. You don't give that instruction as an insult. You give that instruction to help me avoid disappointment. Well, and because for me, when I started to read about cauliflower, I didn't know you had to boil cauliflower in order to get it mashed because I had never eaten cauliflower. So I was simply sharing information. But, but I could see how one could perceive if they already knew you had to do that, well, someone telling them that they need to boil, it was like they were stupid. But that wasn't my intent at all. But I was thinking we were laughing about the moments in the past that we would have had an argument about something, right? Where you literally just, literally in that moment, I went, what do I know about Edwin Strickland? I know that he is fundamentally a teacher. I also know he doesn't think I'm stupid. So I don't have to get offended in this. But really, this wasn't about him at all. It this wasn't. was about the thing in me, because I'm talking about mm. the ugly things coming up, where when I think somebody talks to me in a certain way, that now I got to defend who I am. Number one, I know I'm smart. Number two, I know who I believe that I am. So even if, even if, even if, he did say it because he thought I was stupid. 
I still don't have to feel the ugliness of it. Right. I still don't have to get into some kind of battle and to because even needing to prove my identity, needing out. So now I want to prove to you that I'm not that I'm not stupid. And think about we don't realize that's the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit wants to discern in right. your heart. Right. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that you needed to say something back. Because of your own pride of how dare somebody think you stupid mm. or your own insecurity because you feel like you're less than that your response, that how you're acting, it is it doesn't have to do with what they said or what they did. It has to do with the thing in your heart that the Lord wants to come and get. And if you encounter, I see a lot of you saying different things in the comment section, like that's me. I experienced that. What you have to do is you have to look internally and you have to be like, okay, if I'm responding that way, it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. And that's when you surrender to Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me. Why do I get offended if someone tells me that I need to boil the cauliflower first? Why would that be? A, you have to ask yourself the question and not, not just that, but whatever it could be for somebody else. Why would I be offended that someone said that? You know, because again, I didn't know that I had never messed with cauliflower. So when I was like, how are people mashing it? I watched the video and the video showed them boil the cauliflower first. I was like, oh, OK, well, when you roast it, you don't boil it. When you air fry, you don't boil it. When when you uh, fry it, you you want it, you want it to be as dry as it can be because you want the batter to fry. and You don't want it to be mushy on the inside. So I didn't know. So as we was having a conversation, I was just like, you like, I want to try mask. And I, I think I may have said it twice. I said, you have to boil it. And you said something else. I said, yeah, but you have to boil it. And you was like, I was like, I'm just actually, telling you. Actually, I didn't. I'm just I telling you what I, I know. actually didn't go. I just went babe. Okay. All right. You just went babe. No, I said babe. I said babe. You did a good job. No, no, right. Good job. I, I know I did a good job because I know how I used to with an act. But I'm saying, I love what people are saying in the comments. It's a me problem. Number one, why do I need to prove that I'm smart? And let me ask you, here's the bigger question. Why am I so arrogant that I am offended that someone is trying to help me, right. that someone is trying to give me an instruction? Even if I think I know the way, even if I have done it a million times, what is the thing in me that is so triggered that I am offended by help? It, that didn't come from God because nope. the Bible says if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Right. Right. It's I love. She said, now I know it's a me problem. Why am I so triggered? What is the thing in me that God wants to deal with that I am so easily offended? And is it the truth? Do I really, really at my core struggle with correction? Mm. I struggle with correction. I, like, here's what I mean. It's okay for you to tell me if I come to you, but it's not okay for you to tell me if you just volunteer, because if you just volunteer it, then now I'm triggered. And now how are you, um, what, who you think you are that you always got to be telling me something and, and you don't think I'm smart and all of that stuff. And the Lord is just saying in those moments that we're having with people, let the truth, let the facts come up so the truth can come and replace it. Mm -hmm. Why? Because then you will prosper and, and have good success 
Why? Because the word is changing who you are on the inside. Yeah. The word is not just changing who you are on the outside and your ability not to cut. So I don't cuss you out loud, but in my heart, I'm cussing you out. This is practical surrender. It is the practical surrender. Why am I so offended with correction? Why am I so offended when someone tries to help me? Why am I so offended when someone tells me my character needs to grow? Why am I so offended if indeed I say that my goal is to live like Jesus? The answer is you're not developing the fruit of the spirit. Well, come on. I knew you was going to take us there. That's the answer. Come on. The reason you get offended, the reason you're upset, the reason you are triggered, the reason you wild out is because you are not developed. You are not mature in the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is long suffering, gentleness, goodness. It is faith. It is meekness. And it is temperance. That's, that's a temperance. And, and here's the thing. It's not the fruits with an S of the spirit. It is the fruit of the spirit. In other words, I don't get to pick and choose which one of these is perfected in my life. If I have one, I should have them all. And so I have to learn to, 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 to perfect this fruit that comes from Jesus, because that's what it really is. It's the character. It is the mindset that Christ himself had. He had the mindset of love, the mindset of joy, the mindset of peace, the mindset of long suffering, the mindset of being gentle, the mindset of being good. He was had the mindset of being being faithful and being in faith and being meek and having temperance. And if you uh, if if you exemplify these things, you are less likely to be triggered by people. Because you will have this thing in you that doesn't allow you to be triggered by people because people are going to be people. But when you become the fruit of the spirit, you, you don't ever find anybody who triggered Jesus. Jesus didn't lose who he, Jesus was because of the people. And the people peopled all the time around him. His disciples people, His very own disciples people, But he didn't wig out on them. Now, did he ask them questions? How long will you be a faithless generation? Yeah, he asked them because he wanted to know. How long are y'all going to be this way? I'm teaching you something. How Are you going to stay this way? He wanted to know the answer. He really wanted them to answer. He knew it. He wanted them to know it. But he didn't wig out on people. What about when Jesus went in there and was turning the tables over in the temple? He wasn't wigging out. He was in full, complete composure. That's good. And so you you gotta you gotta get this fruit of the spirit in line in your life. And Lord knows we did a whole teaching one time on this. I think it was thirty two weeks. But that was years ago. So it was years ago. And in fact, when I went to clean the storage unit out, I found it. Yeah. I had I have the actual masters in cassette tape. It's a thirty two. It's it's like a thirty two album thing. I have it. In fact, it's right back there in that back room in the church because I came and unloaded all the stuff. It's right back there. We might have to go back and reteach that some more. No, because we need to we need to develop this maturity, the fruit of the spirit, because the world does not measure maturity by the fruit of the spirit. No. So what we do is we begin to measure maturity by intellect, mm -hmm. which is why we're triggered when we think someone challenges yep. ours, yep. because we are using a measurement standard that the Lord is not using. That's right. 
The Lord's standard for maturity is do I look like Jesus? Am I operating in love? Am I operating in joy? Am I operating in peace? Am I operating in long suffering, temperance, the fruit of the spirit? Are they operating in my life? And here is when we understand that what we're growing and becoming is that when it is exposed that there is a level of immaturity in us, we don't look to blame somebody. See, this is the thing That's though. Right. What happens is, is that when something in me feels like you, first of all, I know you don't think I'm stupid. Nope. I know that you only want to help me. So when something in me gets triggered because you give an instruction or you ask a question, that is an opportunity for me to say, what is in my heart that this is coming up? But mostly what we have done is say, this is Edwin's fault. If Edwin didn't always talk to me like he was a teacher and we was in the fifth grade, I wouldn't act this way. No, I act this way because of a level of immaturity, that of undeveloped godly character that is in me. And if I develop that godly character, then it wouldn't matter what Edwin said. Even if I had to correct him about right, what he said, right, it, this right, is not right, we just taking right, everything. Right, right. Even if I had to correct right. him about what he said, right. I wouldn't be correcting him from the place that I need to prove to you how smart I am. And you don't talk to me that way. And if you talk to me that way, I will get you told and put you in your place. No, I want to develop God, godly character. Triggers are like road signs to tell me I need to go back and surrender to God. Oh, yeah, that's good. When I am triggered, it's like a road sign telling me that I need to go back and surrender some area to God. Because people can do crazy things and it doesn't have to trigger you. When you get triggered, there's something inside of you that needs to be dealt with. Because you can become untriggerable, if that's the word. <laughs> you can become a person who is not triggered. Why? Because I have developed this fruit of the spirit to such a degree that if I find out that I am triggered, then I go back to God and say, Holy Spirit, I got triggered on this. Help me because I know it's not a character flaw, a character trait of yours. The other thing, too, is that as we work on this development, we will understand that sometimes we're saying something is people. It wasn't people. Yeah. It was never people. It was our perception that didn't align with the kingdom of God. And that's why we were worked up. Mm -hmm. That's why we were worked up. <coughs> How many of you are growing up? Tell, Cause we getting ready to wrap up, but tell us what, tell us what your takeaway is from this, because how does this relate? Because it's going to lead to number five. How am I going to walk in obedience if I don't surrender to the Holy spirit? Because that's what all this is about. If I'm going to believe in the supernatural power of God, right? I, if, I, if I'm going to believe in it. And then if I'm going to seek uh, God's presence, right? And then I'm going to meditate in his word, right? And then if I'm going to surrender to Holy Spirit, why am I doing those four things? Because ultimately this is what I want to do. I want to walk. I want to live. I want to, I want to exist in obedience to God. That's what I want to do. Because that is where... We used to say it like this: on the other side of uh, on the other side of obedience is provision. Is provision. Well, the truth of the matter is, when I walk in in obedience to God, I'm always provided for. In every in every watch this arena of my life, there will be no what area untouched. This is so good. In Exodus nine nineteen and five, 
It says, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, indeed. and keep my covenant, mm -hmm. then you shall be a particular treasure unto me above all people. You know what I love about this scripture? There are a lot of scriptures that tell us what we get from God mm -hmm. when we obey God. But this tells us what we give to God what when we, we become obey. To him. That we become a who wants a, to be a peculiar, a peculiar treasure for him? Who wants to be a peculiar treasure to the Lord? And here's I had this thought one time. And don't lose your thought, but I had this okay. thought that when you have a peculiar treasure and someone comes to your house, it's the thing you want to show them. God wants to show us off. God wants to show us off. We are his peculiar treasure. He wants to show us off. He wants, he wants the world to see his children. He wants every demonic ent entity to look at us and be in amazement for who we are. But we got to show up like him to be that way. And that's why he says, now, therefore, I will, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar, Particular, a peculiar treasure unto me. Unto me. And above so, all people. Above all people. Mm -hmm. He wants to show us all. We, we, what you want, God, here's the thing. God sees us, if you're a born-again believer, God sees us through the eyes of Christ. Praise God. But what you want God to be able to say about you is I can trust Edwin in that situation. Mm -hmm. I can trust BJ in that situation. I can trust Latanya in that situation. You want God to be able to say, I can trust them in that situation. Mm -hmm. Because more than they care about their own provision, mm -hmm. more than they care about their own reputation, they care about representing me well. I made a post this morning because I had just been thinking about this all week. And I was thinking about how I, ha I have a smart mouth. And the truth of it is, is that most people who don't know me intimately do not know that I can be as petty and as quick as you are mm -hmm. that quick. But one of the things that the Lord used you to say to me is that a lot of my quick quit was mean. Mm -hmm. And it comes from how I grew up. It wasn't funny. It was mean. Yeah. So the Lord said, I want to deal with the part of your <clears throat> character that your quick wit is mean. That meant I had to surrender mm -hmm. that to him, which meant I have gone through a long period of time where other people are saying something and I'm not saying anything because the first 15 things I think the Lord like, no, 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 that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. And literally sometime by the time I find something I can say, the moment is over. But why did I do that? Because and I, we have to be OK with that. Huh? We have to be OK with that. Sometimes you miss a moment when God is training. Sometimes you don't get to say everything you, you want to say you don't get, because you don't need to. But I had to <clears throat> value pleasing him over the clapback. Mm -hmm. I had to value pleasing him over getting the last word. I had to value pleasing him over feeling like I put somebody in their place. And what has happened is over the years, it is translated into some other things. I don't care what people think about me. Mm -hmm. I don't spend a bunch of time trying to define, defend my position, prove to you that I'm good enough. All of that different stuff, because it's not just that I learned to be quiet. 
I learned to change what was happening in my heart when it was happening. And I think that's the thing. A lot of people think they're changing something because they say, well, I, I don't say nothing back. Or I learned to be quiet. It's not just about not saying something back or learn to be quiet. It's what are you doing to fix the feelings inside? Because just because you keep your mouth closed doesn't mean your heart's changing. And I think that's the no, thing no, no. people miss. Everybody put that in the comments. Just because you keeping your mouth closed doesn't mean your heart is changing. And so we keep giving ourselves these brownie points because right, right. we're being quiet. Right, because we're not responding. But it. But you're not fixing the problem. You actually aren't. You are responding. You just aren't saying it. Right. Your heart right, is right. doing the same and, thing. It's and always everything done. you would have said out loud, you are still saying internally because you haven't fixed your heart. You haven't fixed what's on the inside. And so as a result, you think you've done a great job by not saying anything, but all you've really done is built up the same thing you would have built up had you said it out loud because you didn't fix what was happening inside your heart. And what I have learned over the time is that because I surrendered my heart, there are so many times where I would be, last week I was with my team and, and we were they were talking about the amount of empathy I can find about somebody's behavior because I learned to do this, because I learned to pause, like because I learned to hear what God is saying about this position. Right. I, I have there have been moments where people have done absolutely stupid things. And as they did the stupid thing, because I practiced. I can hear God saying, and this is the issue that's in them. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to focus on you. I want you to focus on them. And you have a word to be able to help them. Mm -hmm. And that's how God wants us to grow up. Because there are times that the enemy will literally bring somebody to you that you have their answer. And they will fight you while you have their answer. And the enemy wants them to fight you, but the enemy also wants you to be so disconnected that you can't see why God brought them to you to begin with. Mm -hmm. So not only are they mismanaging the relationship, you're mismanaging the relationship. Right. Listen, I think what we'll do is we'll come we, back. Yeah. We'll come back next week and we'll talk about what it means to walk in obedience and how to expect miracles, because we believe that that is part of this guiding word. God wants us to walk in obedience, but we also know that he has already prepared. The Bible says uh, the, the Bible, the guiding word says that he's already opened heaven's gates wide for us. And if he's already opened heaven's gates wide for us, then we know that it's available for us and that we are in a position to, to receive. Right. Because it's already been done. It's already done. It's already made available for us. We already have it. And so all we have to do is prepare our hearts and prepare ourselves to do that. And part of that is walking in obedience and having this expectation for miracles. And so we'll talk about those two things next week. Before we go, I want to encourage you one more time to please make sure if you can, if you will do what you have to come be with us next Sunday. It's going to be the last Sunday of 2020. Can you believe 2023 is going to be over? This is going to be a wrap. 2023 will be a wrap. Uh, and we will end the year uh, in service together. Uh, we are hoping that each and every one of you have a uh, magnificent uh, Christmas on tomorrow. Have a great uh, holiday with friends and family. Listen, remember, you don't have to be in spaces that are difficult. 
right? And if you are in spaces that get difficult, you can rely on the fruit of the spirit. So it's not difficult for you. Amen. So basically, I was thinking what we were teaching. All this stuff we taught in the last mm -hmm. part, people can practice tomorrow. We can practice tomorrow. We can practice tomorrow. Yeah. Some of us need to start practicing today before mm -hmm. the day is over. You can practice tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's your opportunity to give. Amen. Listen, it is your opportunity to give. Something supernatural happens when we give. Good. I Amen. want you to name your seed today the maturity seed. Mm. I am partnering. This word was a word to mature me. This was word was a word that was designed to grow me up in godly character. So the seed, what I'm going to put in my little comment today is my is maturity. The, this is my maturity seed. Amen. This is a seed where my heart and God's heart match, where my thought and God's thoughts match, where I grow up so I can prosper and have good success in every area amen. amen so you know you can give through givelify push pay tithely text to give 833-969-0897 or paypal for our international global partners hey and shout out to all the people who were in the comment section I, we, we were teaching i saw you the people from nigeria this morning glad you guys showed up i know it's probably evening time it's it's it's, it's it's evening time, 9, 10, 9, you have nine hours ahead. So it's almost 10 o'clock there, I guess, 10 p.m. But thank you guys for joining in. So shout out to all our people from Nigeria and those from South Africa who joined us this morning. We want you to have an amazing time with your family tomorrow, your friends or whoever you're going to be with. We want you to know that we love you from the bottom of our hearts. And we thank you for being a part of Fellowship of Champions. And we say to you, Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. You guys have a blessed day. We will see you guys on December 31st, live and in person next week here at the huddle.